bold vision, inspirational leadership, drive, determination, creativity. Welcome to Secrets of Staffing Success, a podcast where we talk to innovators and thought leaders in the staffing industry to discover the strategies and tactics that make these top performers stand out. And here are your hosts, the co-CEOs of Haley Marketing, Victoria Kenward and David Cerns. So let's say you're in the middle of a pandemic. Business is down, like 50% down. Your clients are not hiring. What do you do? Well, if you're Caddy Duraghi, president of Artists and Creative, you launch a free, yes, free job board to help your candidates find work. In this episode, we chat with Caddy about the lessons she learned in 2020, her secrets to beating the big boys in creative staffing, and the challenges of taking over the role of president. Secrets of Staffing Success is brought to you by Haley Marketing. If you're like most staffing firms, finding talent and actually getting them to go to work is a big challenge right now. So how do you fill those open job orders? By creating a better plan for recruitment marketing. It's not about spending more on job posts, it's about getting more ROI from your ad spend. Better leveraging the talent in your ATS, optimizing response from your website, having a real strategy for social recruiting, and building an irresistible employment brand. If you'd like ideas for your recruitment marketing, download our free smart recruiting checklists at haleymarketing.com forward slash smart recruiting. Or better yet, give us a call at 1-888-696-2900 and ask us to put together a complimentary recruitment marketing roadmap for your business. Hi, I'm David Cerns, co-CEO with Haley Marketing, and welcome to this episode of Secrets of Staffing Success. Today, this is our first episode with our new format, and I'm really excited to introduce, starting my co-host and co-CEO, Victoria Kenward. Morning. How are you? Great. So, Vicki, um, this is our first time doing this together. This should be an interesting experiment. I'm excited to have you on the show. For those of you who know me, you've probably seen me at a lot of conferences, but you may not know Vicki. So, uh, in addition to being the co-CEO of Haley Marketing, um, she's my uh, wife and life partner, and uh, she's the one who really makes things happen around the office at Haley Marketing. So, we're excited to bring this show to you as we start to focus on the ways that staffing companies are growing, becoming more successful, and really looking at leadership, innovation, and how companies can operate better in the coming months and years. And today to kick things off, really excited to have our first guest, somebody that we've gotten to know over the past couple of years, Kadi Duraghi, who is the president with Artisan Creative. And Kadi is here to tell us all about her experience, not just in the staffing industry, but also in family business and with an organization we're fond of, Entrepreneurs Organization. So welcome, Kadi. Thank you so much, David and Vicki. So excited to be here with you both. So Kadi, one of the things that I know has been a little bit of a tradition on the show is when people get started, one of the things we love to hear is your elevator pitch. So tell us about Artisan. Absolutely, happy to. So Artisan Creative is a staffing and recruitment agency focused on the creative, digital, and marketing space. So the talent that we place is primarily graphic designers, copywriters, UI, UX, marketers. So anyone that is involved in creating some sort of a creative or marketing output are the types of talent that we represent. 
And the clients that we work with cover the gamut from healthcare to financial and entertainment and everything in between, as long as they have a creative or marketing team that works for them. That's the staff that we augment. Okay. Mostly contract, mostly uh, full-time hires, even mix. What kind of uh, services are you providing? Actually, it's a triple, uh, triple approach. Staffing, uh, you know, short-term and long-term, direct hire, as well as we do a lot of project work. Mm-hmm. And this came out out of a need that one of our clients had about 15 years ago. They needed to, you know, I think it was something like 80 PowerPoint presentations they needed to do for a conference. They didn't have the resources or the space to bring the people on site. They didn't have the manpower to have to manage those uh, freelancers. So they came to us and said, can we hire a bunch of your freelancers? However, can you manage them? And from that started our studio business, uh, Artisan Studio. So it's really a triple approach depending on whatever the client needs. That's great. Are you all geographic areas or just the LA area? For the, sh- the staffing, well, pre-COVID, for our on-site staffing, uh, only California. But for our direct hire and our project work is national. So all U.S.-based, all of our talent is all U.S.-based, and our clients are all U.S.-based. Mm-hmm. And how has remote, the change to fully remote for most of us, how has that changed your business? For my company, it hasn't changed it much. We actually went remote in 2009. So we've been operating remotely now for the, you know, that many years. No one ever came to our office. And we were always the ones going to client sites. Obviously, it's important for us to get a sense as to what the company culture is of the clients that uh, we're servicing. So nobody ever came to visit us and our talent, we usually, you know, we'd see them for coffee or we would see them more socially so we could get to know them better. And when the downturn happened in 2008, 2009, the building that we were in for 14 years, they sold it. And so we scrambled, you know, very briefly, you know, went to a sublet trying to figure out, oh my gosh, like what are we going to do next? And two of my teammates came, uh, two of our team members came over um, one day and they both said that they were pregnant at the same time. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, they wanted to come back to work. They didn't want to come back to an office. They wanted to be able to be with their newborns. And from that, the, this idea of, hmm, I wonder if we could make this work remotely and we tried it and we loved it. Uh, all of us just embraced it so much. Um, it's not the right one. It's not the right formula for everyone, but it worked for us. And so you, you were really ahead of the curve on this remote trend. And uh, maybe there's some lessons. I mean, all of us have had to jump in. We've had now close to a year of being remote, but I think a lot of people are wondering in 2021, well, you know, when things open up, are we going to get back? I know a lot of our clients are already back in the office, whether they like it or not, they're sort of forced to be, Mm -hmm. but how do you really make remote work work? Yeah. Technology. You have to embrace and love technology and you have to truly work harder on your culture. Uh, Things that I think we you know, even back then, we, we can take for granted the office, you know, the, you know, water cooler, office chit chats, the spontaneity, spontaneity of let's go to lunch together. Like those, those just don't exist, mm-hmm. but there's other ways of creating spontaneity. Um, 
you, I think you, you know, we're on, we're, we work with Bullhorn. And when Bullhorn went cloud-based, so I'm dating myself, talking about like 11 years ago. Uh, well, we remember. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say, we were at Staffing World when Art had a 10 by 10 booth and we're like, who's that company? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we've been with Bullhorn since 2006. So quite a few years. And when they went cloud-based, and, and we obviously we're in the design space, so everything is Mac-based uh, and, when they finally made that transition, we're like, ah, like this is going to work. This will work remotely. So I think that's when we decided to you know, just jump on board and see if we could make it work. And it How have you dealt with the culture side? Um, that's the one personally I'm struggling with is, you know, you don't hear what's going on down the hall. You don't have a chance to do the management by walking around. It's difficult to do it over Zoom. So how are you guys, have you sustained culture for more than 10 years? Interesting question, because I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that remote isn't for everyone. You know, there are, there are people that absolutely crave being together, being in an office and being very social. And then there are others who are extremely social yet, you know, they would come to the office, they would check in, check their emails, do whatever. And then they would be gone all day because they were, would be out seeing clients and going on client visits. So even though we had this big office and it looked beautiful, it was empty you know, most of the time, except for our back office people, our accounting teams and so forth. And when we decided to go remote, we chose to make sure that on a regular basis, we would be coming together for lunches and dinners and coffees and even including uh, you know, our team members, families, and partners, you know, paint nights, and, you know, we've worked really hard to make sure that everybody knew that even though they were solo, they weren't uh, in a silo. I think it was just very, very important to make sure. I want to steal that tagline. It's solo, not a silo. I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 And And honestly, I think core values, really hiring to our core values. We, uh, you know, brought in our team to come up with our core values. So they you know, lived and breathed it because they actually came up with it. And I think that had a lot to do with it is they, uh, one, of, one of our core values is communication. And especially in a remote world, you have to over communicate. So we communicate via Slack, via Zoom, via calls, <laughs> you name it. I think we, we over-communicate to make sure that everybody feels connected. I think we're working on that still. We're, we're good at it, but not great at it. And we're still working because we've been remote since uh, March 13th, fully remote. We had some people remote prior to that. So you mentioned your core values. I'd, I'd be interested to hear more about your core values. Would you, would you like to know what they are? Yes, please. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's like, Accountability to self and others, agility of thought and action, communication. Um, I think it's open and clear communication. It's uh, creating relationships based on trust. So trust and enthusiasm in life and work. So you mentioned that one of the, the reasons you've been successful with remote is being able to really hire to those core values. And I know I deal with a lot of staffing owners and they always joke that they're the cobbler's son and the hardest positions to fill are their own internal hires. 
And a lot of companies I know have spent years doing behavioral hiring and looking for traits, but how do you hire for values? I agree with the other staffing owners. It's, it's, we, I think we do a phenomenal job for others. And when it comes to us, you know, all of our attention and focus is given externally. So to, to bring that internally takes time. And sometimes we just don't want to give it the time because, you know, it's, you know, we're running uh, a mile a minute. Uh, so we're very fortunate. We have some long-term uh, employees that have been with us for a long, long time. Our, uh, our you know, senior account manager has been with us for 25 years. Our accounting team has been with us for over 20 years. And I, I attribute that to culture. I attribute that to really having created a, a family, the, the artisan family really is uh, as what works here for us. Um, getting referrals. I think our current uh, team, actually, no, that's not true. Um, one of them was an external hire, but then she's referred other people in to the company. So again, friends are working with us. And uh, I've, we've been fortunate that because we're a smaller entity, you know, we put a lot of focus in on the individual and on the person and make sure that the way we onboard, um, the way that we stay in touch with is very, very personal. So I think that has worked for us. It's probably not the right formula for a lot of people, but like I have somebody starting on Tuesday, our first hire in a long time. And uh, this weekend, I was putting together a new orientation and all of that. And it, I realized as, as I was preparing for our talk that there's so much, so much personal touches within our orientation documentation. So I think that's probably what's unique about us is that. So you mentioned um, family business, and I know a little bit of your backstory so that uh, you were in a family organization and um, you and Jamie have run Artisan together. Um, would you mind just kind of sharing with everybody some of your, your backstory? How did you get into this business and how did Artisan come to be? Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of family business, so Jamie's brother actually first started the company back in 88. So dating myself even further than, than that. <laughs> and uh, initially, Jamie joined him after six months uh, of the company being formed. And they worked together for a few years, and then they decided to separate. And so Jamie's brother, Bijan, owns Artisan Talents, which is focused more on the East Coast. And then we are Artisan Creative, more focused on the West Coast. We still, you know, we refer talent to one another, we refer leads to one another, but we are two separate entities. I think Jamie, who, um, as you all know, went to Syracuse, so lived in upstate New York, and then lived in Chicago um, for a number of years, came to California one sunny January and decided it was <laughs> never going to come go back. back. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So that was in 1994. Um, so officially... You know, he started you know, the California division and then we officially formed in 1996. So this February is actually our 25th anniversary that's uh, coming up. So we were gonna do some big celebration, but now we'll have to figure out how to do that via Zoom uh, and 
celebrate this milestone. Well, maybe we can share ideas because this is our 25th birthday this August. <gasps> so we are also about to celebrate our 25th and looking forward to all kinds of fun things to do throughout the year. But what made you get into staffing and staffing in the creative world? Myself personally, I got recruited by Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I, was, uh, I was in retail. So you know, my focus has always been customer service and kind of being in the front lines. It just happened to be in retail for all those years. And you know, as our company was growing, Jamie kind of recruited me said, you know what, we, I could use you here, I could use your personnel background, you know, I could use the help. And so we started working together, which is an interesting dynamic, as I'm sure you both know, being life partners and work partners together. It's, you know, there's roles to have to navigate and, <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, you have to have boundaries as to when to stop talking about work because it, it can permeate everything especially when you love your work you want to talk about it all the time but it's yeah just ask balance. our kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly at least you have kids you can you know they will be part of the conversation we don't have kids so what about your cat <laughs> yeah unless if they want to partake in in the discussions it's it can be all about work and that's i think that's a lesson that we learned early on right to have that so you you transitioned to president so can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and what that decision making was for Jamie to step back and you to take over. For sure. So I have been now at the helm for about seven years. Yeah, in 2012 is when I took over as president. I've been work, I had been working in the organization. Uh, I started in 1999. So I've been, and, and throughout the years, I've worn every single hat from recruiter to salesperson to director of recruiting to you name it I, I've worn the hat um, and when Jamie decided that the time had come for him to make a move he uh, he really wanted to get into coaching and leadership coaching primarily and wanted to focus on that full-time we decided to for me to step in for him to step out and it was challenge for me the first couple of years you know this was his baby you know he grew it and I had an immense sense of responsibility to make sure that I was taking care of this baby the right way and so I think for the first couple of years not that I was tentative about my decision making I just wanted to make sure that I was honoring his wishes properly. So I would go to him for decision-making until one day he said, Kathy, <laughs> there's a reason that you, you know, that go for it. I, you know, I fully trust you to, to run this the way that you think it's right, which is, I think what I just needed to hear. Um, and I'm forever grateful that he has that trust. And I think he knows that I have that responsibility to make sure that the baby's taken care of. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that, 
that's both huge and rare. I've, I, I don't see a lot of husband and wives where a transition is made, where, where they swap roles like you did. That's, that's a really cool transition. Vicki, listen up. You, you're welcome to my role. Um, but <laughs> I, I do see a lot of businesses that look at generational switches. Mm-hmm. And it, if you look at family business, not just in staffing, uh, but in other industries as well, the percentage of businesses that successfully transition first generation to second and second generation to third is appallingly low. And one of the biggest causes of failure is the outgoing president, CEO, dad, usually um, can't let go. Yeah. And they come and they torpedo the decisions. I know there's a local construction company that dad would go to Florida for six months of the year. They would really run the company for six months. Dad would come back in the summer and then try to change everything that they had done. Um, but they, they learned that that was a routine that you'd sort of ignore dad's wishes all summer long and then actually get things done in the winter. And it's awesome that you and Jamie worked that out so well. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in growing the business? You had a, a good run between 2012 and today um, to be in the creative world, but also you have an industry that's really, really competitive. So what are some of the big things you've dealt with? I think we had to figure out who we were. And I think that's where the core values really came into, into play. We are not one of the big guys. And we made a conscious decision early on that we actually didn't want to be one of the big guys. We wanted to, we wanted to still be the company that could hold hands where needed. Um, I think one of the things that we hear from our talents all the time, which is shocking to me that everybody doesn't do it this way. But one of the things that we hear from talent all the time is that we're the only ones who've taken the time to meet them. I'm like, really? Yeah. Wouldn't everybody want to meet the talent? I mean, it's your reputation to, you know, you're making this connection, but maybe not. I don't, I can't speak for anyone else, but this is just what I hear. Uh, as well as I think beyond our employees, our internal team, who's been with us for a long time. We have talent who's been with us for 15, 16, 20 years. We've seen them in their career trajectory, starting as a designer and now being a hiring manager or creative director. It's beautiful to see and beautiful to watch. Um, So that was, I think, the number one decision for us initially is, do we go after VMS business? Do we want to be do we want to be more one-on-one? Do we want to be one-to-many? Like how, how, what is that balance? As well as the, when we made the transition to being both short-term, both contract work as well as direct hire, the kind of recognition that it's slightly a different relationship. You know, mm-hmm. it's a much longer sales cycle. It's a much longer um hand-holding, if you will. You want to make sure that that match is done. But when we first started about kind of going through the whole core values exercise, we did a why, a why session with Jamie, mm-hmm. as you all know. And we did it for the company. So one of the things that we focus in on is what is Artisan's why? Like, why are we doing what it is that we're doing? And we you know, creating relationships based on trust is what came out loud and clear. 
but really en enabled us to focus in on our purpose, which is really to create life-changing opportunities for people. And sometimes that life-changing opportunity is maybe a freelance work that is only maybe a week, but that week gives somebody a new piece for their portfolio that can impact their future. Maybe it's meeting a new company, maybe it's testing a new industry, a new vertical, but the core of it goes back to putting people together and together impacting our clients in a way that they have success in their companies and in their roles, they, they can see the ROI and the, um, the beautiful things that they've created and they've overseen, as well as for our talents that we've brought an opportunity that they wouldn't have necessarily seen or found on their own. So I think that's a driver is not just making a placement, but that placement has impact. And that was really important yeah. for us. I, I can see a lot of value in that on the, especially from the, the talent side, really wanting to know who's representing them to find the assignments. How about the client side? I mean, you, you mentioned VMS, you've got a couple of 800 pound gorillas that provide creative support in staffing. So what's your secret to effectively selling people on your values and why they should work with a company like Artisan? It's primarily getting to know the client and really getting to know their culture, especially on the creative side. You know, a resume on the creative side is not nearly as important as the portfolio is. You know, you can have a graphic designer and that graphic designer can have an aesthetics of really fun, bright colors, you know, maybe uh, like a Disney aesthetic, for example, mm -hmm. or that same graphic designer could have very clean, muted colors like an apple, right? Both graphic designer on paper, on a resume, when you look at their portfolios, they are Absolutely. a world of difference between the two of them. So really understanding what the client is looking for and not just throwing you know, darts at a dartboard to make a match. Um, I think we are, we take pride in being more about quality than, than quantity, both in the number of talent we present, as well as maybe the number of clients we work with. Um, I, th I think that really is it, just to really get to know people and get to really get a sense of their culture and their environment. That's why nobody ever came to our office because we were always at their offices trying to That's see, great. right? What they look like, uh, what, what their environment look like. Um, now it's, you know, obviously with COVID it's different. And trying to, thankfully, a lot of our clients that we work with, we've worked with for a long time. And we actually do have several VMS clients that we've been with for a number of years. But it's a, it's a big, I think our mix of clients is a big mix, VMS, as well as smaller, smaller agencies, smaller design firms, and the corporate clients that we work with. <clears throat> with with uh, covid in, I would say in March and April, I think we ha held three or four webinars about how to go virtual mm -hmm. because we knew how to do it. And a lot of our clients were like, oh my God, like we have to go remote. How do we do it? So we just wore different hats and said, okay, you know what? Let's show you what we've done. Hopefully if it works for you, great. If not, at least maybe there's one or two tidbits of, you know, some nuggets of information that you can walk away with. So yeah, so we went into remote consultation work. 
Uh, it sounds like you, you develop these deep relationships. So you're probably not, I'm guessing here, but um, not going to be as in, impacted by the gig economy and what we're seeing with outsourcing creative and- Oh, using, you stole my question. <laughs> um, using you know companies like Design Pickle or uh, VA in Philippines or something like that. How is, what do you think of that? Do you think it's going to impact you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it has impacted, I think, a lot of the graphic designers that we work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it necessarily hasn't impacted us directly in that most people come to us for roles that they can't hire on their own. They, they can't find the talent. Um, many of the roles that we place, like the, the UX, UI, you cannot find that talent. It's still, even in this market, a very, very difficult mm-hmm. uh, you know, difficult candidates to find. So generally clients come to us and we encourage them, you know, we ask them, have you looked on your own? Is there anybody internally? Because right now, especially with some of the, um, because of COVID and the layoffs and so forth, there was a time in late March that we just had more candidates and we knew what to do with. We had no jobs to place them. So we actually started another um, side business, if you will, uh, called inspiringhiring.com. Our goal was just to inspire the hiring of candidates. And you know, it was, it's, it's a resume, resume portal. And uh, you know, there are some amazingly talented people out there in the marketplace that are looking for work. And there are amazing, great clients out there who, for, for, for whatever reason, they have their own internal t- recruiting teams. They're just, you know, they're just not going to come to an agency for staffing. Mm-hmm. By all means, look at some of the great talent that's out there. Just hire them. You know, that's, but, but, we don't want any of it. Just, you know, just, just hire them. We want to put people back to work. Katie, that's, that's one, testament to your values, but two, phenomenal. The fact that you go create a website to just help the people you normally place to find employment. I, I, one of the things that I've seen over the years is a lot of companies are reticent to even want to teach employers how to hire, hire better. Anything that might negatively impact their future revenues, they don't want to do. You made the decision like, well, we're going to help people put to work even if we make nothing. Why did you make that decision? I think it was a bigger, it was really a bigger question, you know, bigger decision than just us. So, it, it, it was, it is, and it was what was going to be right for our creative community. Uh, just the number of people that were impacted. Um, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier. When there's uncertainty, and certainly with COVID, I think it was the biggest question mark out there for so many people. And going virtual, you know, going remote, where a lot of clients just didn't know how to go remote. Um, there were a lot of layoffs. There were a lot of people who were impacted on the advertising and marketing side. It's the first thing that people put a pause on when mm-hmm. there's uncertainty. So it doesn't hurt yeah. that. What could, would you repeat your purpose? Because it's your purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our purpose is to create life, you know, life-changing opportunities for people. I would love to be part of each and every one of those placements. But if we can't, uh, we're not going to hold on to, you know, we're not going to hide anything and not enable people to find the opportunities for themselves. So inspiring hiring is a resume portal. There's, it's, a, it's a job board. Um, 
yeah. right now only my jobs are on there but <laughs> but the intention one day as we come out of this is for it to become a creative uh, creative job board um, for now there's some amazing talent out there if anybody's looking for creatives if you need creatives and you can't find them on your own and you need a creative agency we're here to help you but if you want to do it on your own then please look up look on that board you know job board and find someone we, we don't hire them. We, we, we know how hard it is. We do. We do. Yeah. Understand. So I'd like to transition to EO because mm-hmm. I want to make sure we cover, you know, your role in EO and what EO has done for your company. So for people that don't know, would you explain EO and then what, what your background is with it? Absolutely. I love EO. And uh, that's obviously how we first came into contact with one another. So EO is the entrepreneurs organization, and it's a global network of entrepreneurs. Gosh, I, um, I should probably look this up. I should know in how many countries I want to say in. Oh, I don't know that number. A lot. 70, uh, many <laughs> countries. 75 countries? No, as it's more than that. Um, and it's a peer-to-peer organization where um, entrepreneurs of um, a certain revenue come together and they meet on a monthly basis. And the, the beauty of it is that it's a non-solicitation environment. So we're there just to help each other, just learn from each other, to grow with one another. We're not necessarily there to network, if you will. Whereas I'm part of plenty of other networking organizations too. What I love about EO is that it's purely about learning and this um, this focus on learning both as business people, but even more so as individuals, as, as, as people. So there's a big focus on both personal growth as well as business growth. And what it's done for my business, even though it's a non-solicitation business, um, there's plenty of people that I've worked with. Um, the, the beauty of it is if they want to work with you, they can reach out to you. You know, We're not going to solicit one another. But I'll tell you where I think what's the biggest impact has been for me for my business. It's been the indirect impact uh, about leadership and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I would have thought about core values and how important that is if EO and core values and hearing from other people, how important that is, I probably wouldn't have been on my radar. Um, I don't know if I would have necessarily thought about purpose and what you stand for if it hadn't been the conversation that we've had. I certainly would not have been the president of our organization if it hadn't been for EO, because I think Jamie got his aha to pursue something different and go after leadership coaching because of EO. So it's that full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the idea germinated for him initially, but with another conversation, um, a conversation that was ha- he was having with another eo so, I, yeah, I will say... Personally, um, having been through some one-on-one coaching with Jamie on the finding your why, and that happened as a result of EO, it's it's really transformational. Uh, it's they're those simple questions. Somebody says like, "Why do you? Why did you start a marketing company?" And you you start to reflect on it, and you think about, "Okay, well, why am I doing it? Why did I do it then? Is it the same reason I do it now? What's the real reason I do anything?" And those fundamental questions 
um, determine ultimately your happiness or misery in life. Oh yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Katie, I, I, we, I love the conversation. We could sit here talking for hours, but I'd love to, to kind of wrap things up with a, with a few just sort of quick hitting questions. So sure. we talked to them before we went live a little bit about there's a vaccine in the horizon. Hopefully conferences will be, get back together. The world of marketing is going to grow. What's the first thing you want to do once life opens back up? I want to hug some family members. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, I don't, we don't have any family members in Los Angeles where we live. Everybody is elsewhere. So we've had weekly Sunday morning Zoom calls since March 23rd, I think. Um, we just celebrated two birthdays this morning on this morning's call. So oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I can't just can't wait to hug some family members. That's my first. And secondly, I, I can't wait to bringing it back to business. I can't wait to start seeing clients. We've been seeing a lot of clients via Zoom, but to be able to see and visit offices and so on, and, you know, and my team, I think. Yeah, it might be longer until we get to hug clients again. Yeah. I think people will be a little shy for a bit. I just, yeah. I miss traveling a lot. Um, so one thing that you wish your clients knew about working with artists and creative. Great question. I think uh, it would be that we have a lot of heart. I think that came out in mm -hmm. the purpose and the why and, the, and your core values mm -hmm. conversation. Thank you. Yeah. I think we take pride in that. Um, we definitely, when we say we're going to partner with you, we mean we're going to partner with you. So uh, mm -hmm. last question for me, if you had to go back to the beginning of Artisan and you could do that knowing what you know today. What advice would you give yourself? To the beginning of artisan, what would advice would I give myself? I would say that trust earlier. I think it took me a while to really realize that the team that we have, the talent that we have are incredibly self-sufficient and they know what it is that they need to do. Uh, and I, as I mentioned earlier, because I, because I was taking over this baby, I just felt such a sense of responsibility that I think I maybe um, didn't give as much leeway in, in the beginning as I should have. And once once I realized that, oh, gosh, my team knows even more than I do. My, my, my team is, my team runs this ship so well. Uh, and I'm so proud of them. And I'm so lucky to have them. Um, it just took me a little while back in 2012 to figure that out. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I do have some EO numbers while we were talking. I pulled up the site uh, because... Hey. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, giving correct information. So uh, Entrepreneurs Organization is 14,000 members strong. It is in 61 countries and there's 198 chapters globally. I didn't know either of those. I knew the 14,000 number, but not the others. It's impressive. Yeah. A, a great yeah. organization. Yeah, so, thank you. Katie, you have a book coming out and I know this isn't <gasps> a book tour, but we want to hear about it anyway. I want to squeeze it in here. Do I have a copy of it somewhere? I, I do behind my green screen, but never mind that. <laughs> I do. Um, I don't know if you remember me talking about it when we 
first met two years ago that I was working on a book. So it's, yeah. So this has been a three-year journey and I'm super happy, super proud that it's out. Um, it's officially out February 4th, but it's, it's my personal story. It's a memoir, uh, has nothing to do with staffing and everything to do with hope. It's about, although there's a lot of hope in staffing as well, so don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's my personal journey, journey through grief and kind of coming out on the other side uh, based on some personal things that uh, went on in my life for a period of a few years. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'd never, I had ne- not necessarily set out to be an author but it just, this just felt very, very strongly that this was a story of someone that I had to tell. So it's out. I'll put some more information in the show notes and get a link so that people can go. Uh, we'll, I assume be available at Amazon at some point to, uh, it will to be, it'll be available on Amazon. It's called the butterfly years, a journey from grief toward hope. And yeah, it's, it's a quick read, but I think, again, I think it's a story with a lot of heart and um, this year, actually April, uh, between January and April of 2011 is where I lost three family members, my parents and my stepmother. Sorry. So it's kind of the genesis of that. And it's the 10 year anniversary. And I really wanted, I've worked really, really hard to make sure that it was out before the 10th anniversary. And I finished it in Dece- on December 26th. So Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Look you for, looking much. forward to reading it. Yeah, so, thank uh, you for asking about it. Appreciate it. Huh. All right, Caddy. So if uh, people have questions about artisan or staffing, where's the best place to reach out to you? Artisancreative.com is the official site. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to reach out to me directly, uh, Katty, uh, that's actually my LinkedIn handle is linkedin.com slash Katty. So you'll find me there. And um if anybody has any questions about you know, creative and how to hire creatives, we have several blogs on our blog page about the best practices for hiring creatives, how to create core values, any, many of the things that we talked about here today. I'm happy to share that publicly with anybody who's interested in learning more about it, or they could just reach out to me. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, Katie, we really appreciate your taking the time to chat with us. And uh, we look forward to uh, hopefully talking to you again on a future episode of Secrets of Staffing Success. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Connie. Thank you. All right, Vicki, we did it. We finished our very first episode of Secrets of Staffing Success. So um, what did you think about uh, what Connie had to say? First of all, it was way easier than I anticipated. So I appreciate that, Caddy. I really appreciate it because I think that was most of the guests. So from Caddy, my takeaways, there's two big ones that I took from this. The first was really living true to your core values and having a purpose for your business and your life, and then making decisions around that, even when it's not a revenue generator. So she started, um, what was the name of it, David? Oh, it was uh, Inspired Hiring. Inspired, inspired hiring, even though that wasn't really a revenue generator for a company, but it hits her core purpose and her vision and values. And the second one was making a conscious decision to stay small. Um, I think she said, we, we do what the big guys won't do. 
And an example of that was when they call their talent and they actually build relationships and care about their talent. It's easy to differentiate if you want to build that relationship and care about somebody. Love yeah, it's it. so funny that the, like the differentiation is we talk to people and we hear that from a lot of our clients is I just, I don't understand the staffing companies. You're in a people business, but a lot of, I guess maybe it's the, the VMS MSP mentality of we don't need to talk to people as much anymore. You know, for me, my big takeaways is I love that they were focusing on building a community with talent. It wasn't a transactional placement relationship. It's we're part of the creative community and that setting up that other website that blew me away. It's like, you're, wait a minute, you're going to set up a website that allows clients, employers to hire on their own. You don't make a dime. You're doing it because it's right for the industry. It's right for everybody. And in the end, that will be right for your company. I loved that attitude. Um, the other thing that I really liked is when she talked about taking over the transition from Jamie and it was Jamie's family business. And now Cotty's the president and learning to trust people. She put so much pressure on herself to step into that role and having to do everything actually slowed her down from where she could be. And I would not have known, knowing Cotty as we have for the past couple of years, that ever would have been a problem for her, but just sort of was a great lesson for me personally of learning to trust others. It's the only way to grow a business. Me too. That was a huge takeaway for me personally. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening to our very first episode of Secrets of Staffing Success. Um, if you uh, like the show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also go to HaleyMarketing.com and you'll find it in our freebie section of our website. All right. Thank you all very much for listening today. Bye.